everybody, welcome back to the College Football Uncensored Podcast. I'm your host, Tyler Huck, and with me, as always, my co-host, partner in crime, Chris Marler. Chris, another fantastic weekend of games. I'm happy, so good. you're happy, some people are not happy. Um, yeah, Florida fans, we know. Yeah. Um, Open fans probably aren't fans. too happy right now either. Yeah, we're going to get to that breaking news in a second, um, but like, yeah, a fantastic weekend. First off, congrats to you, because... Oh, yeah. In a matter of weeks, in a matter of weeks, Florida State has gone to being the laughing stock of everyone because yep. they lost to Jack State yep. to now being possibly the best program <laughs> in the state of Florida because Florida is oh, the man. worst. Florida's terrible. Yeah, I've I've now gone to the point where I'm going to be disappointed if we lose that game, which when oh, we started the season, so I was like, don't do this. There's going to be three games that we're going to get blown the hell out. And it was going to be Clemson, Clemson, Florida, and Miami. And Clemson was losing to UConn at one point this weekend. They were. Yeah. Uh, the opening kickoff actually was taken back for a touchdown by UConn. They high-fived on the way in. And they did. Yes, they did. It was incredible. <laughs> um, no, there's a lot of fun stuff that happened this weekend. It was, a, it was a fantastic week of football, like you said. But we do have to get started with the breaking news um, that I was monitoring pretty closely. Mm-hmm. Um, but given your convinced... first half tweets of that game, just Ooh, acting like a very said some scared small child. Okay, first off, that's not how I felt. Um, I will tell you that I. Oh my weekend, god, we're gonna lose to Auburn. <laughs> we we probably are. <laughs> not anymore. Not any. Well, yeah. If it would be worse now. Um, but the breaking news is. Yep. First off, I didn't even think that was the tweet you were going to bring up because uh, <laughs> I made a comment that Bo Nix at home is better than Tom Brady's. Bo Nix uh, just announced, and it was uh, reported earlier, that um, he broke his they, he broke a bone in his ankle and he is out for the rest of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a pretty terrible loss uh, for Auburn fans. T.J. Finley will be the starting quarterback this weekend. Um, what's interesting about this is a number of things, but I saw the line come out today. And they're, they're playing South Carolina this week. I'm pretty sure it's a home game. I could be wrong, but because they were at South Carolina last year, they were only a 10-point favorite. And I was like, that's surprising. And this was announced like well before the Bo Nix thing was official. This is – the Bo Nix thing was um, – his tweet was uh, put out 58 minutes ago. We're recording this Sunday night. It's 849. Um, what it says here is uh, bones break, things change. God is always the same. One of my favorite verses. He gets into a Bible verse we're not going to get into. Um, just because I guess I feel weird now, uh, but <laughs> feels like you should get into it now. Uh, yeah. You know, my mom's gonna be pretty upset. Um, but yeah, Bo Nix, uh, has, it, it's, it's funny. It's not funny that it happened. It's funny that when you type in his name, that's not even the first thing that comes up because he caught so much grief this weekend after that loss, um, that he, like people are saying he blamed the fans or something for this loss, which is not entirely how I took it. But um, yeah, so it's not even it's not even the primary thing that comes up when you t- uh, when you tweet it or search the tweet. Um, he broke a, a boat, wow, broken bone in his ankle, uh, and he's expected to risk, miss the rest of the year and possibly even bigger news. Daniel Carlson or Anders, which one is it? Yeah, it's it's Durs. It's Durs. My bad. There's been a Carlson. There's been a Carlson at Auburn, a, a Henry um, at Arkansas, and a Colquitt at Tennessee for like 40 fucking years. So yep. sorry if I missed up the first name. Yeah, Carlson injured his ACL in the fourth quarter when Auburn attempted an onside kick. Tried um, to tackle somebody. Yeah, yeah, he ran into a, a defender, and so and he's a senior, so you will officially never see a Carlson again unless there's a younger brother. There's probably a younger brother. Yeah. So, People were uh, so for much both those the COVID, guys, you know, um, obviously, you know, for, for Bo Nix, he was having a career year, whether it was touchdown to interception ratio, completion percentage, career highs this year. Um, in this game, he set a career high 377 yards passing against Mississippi State. So uh, real bummer for him, real bummer for Auburn. Um, we'll see what TJ Finley can do. I mean, obviously, he came in and basically saved them in that Georgia State game. Um, but limited action pretty much outside of that. Yeah. And I'll tell you what's also interesting is you're I'm looking at it here and um Justin uh Hawkinson, uh who Hawkinson, he tweeted out five hours ago. It said, Here's the play late in the third quarter where Bo Nix injured his ankle. Um 
after this possession, he went to the tent. TJ Finley started warming up. Then Knicks returned to the game until the final drive. So Bo Nix played in the fourth quarter with a broken ankle. Charlie Morton Damn. shit. That's pretty yep. impressive. I was I was prepared to make a joke about Tua coming back from a broken ankle and ankle surgery just just to be an asshole, and I shouldn't have in, in general. But that's that's incredible, and you hate it for that kid. Obviously, he's coming back. Um, you know, I, I think I don't think he had a, a lot of draft stock. But I tell you what, like I mean, if he if he like progresses in this, I'm just I'm just throwing this out there. And if he only played home games for sure, um, like in the way that some NFL teams are going to, is like it's more of a spread offense now. I don't think it's that far fetched that he might get a look. I just don't obviously I don't think it's gonna happen right now. Um, so horrible news for them. Uh, him and Carlson both out for the year. Um, that being said, let's get into like the weekend recap because well, first you got to, you got to mention our sponsor. Absolutely, uh, Chris. I know it's been a couple of days since we recorded last. Have you bought an NFT yet? I bought so many, and also I need to borrow some money. So it's like, because <laughs> I I told some people that I had the money, and it was all online because I didn't think it was real, um, and they were like, "No, this is real." And so there's people that have been like texting me that I like from Russian numbers. Anyway, I bought an NFT. They're great. <laughs> well, there's been NFTs that they've just been huge over the last year. Um, and now NFTs have officially come to college football. Campus Legends launched their first ever officially licensed athlete in school NFT this past week, starting yep. with the 2008 National Championship Florida Gator football team. Love again, it. I'll say it again. If you're a Florida fan, times are dark. You need to go back and revisit the glory days. Get this NFT. Campus Legends, they're going to be dropping more uh, NFTs for more schools in the future, but it started last week with their partnership with the University of Florida, and you can officially, as of now, you can start buying, selling, and trading officially licensed collegiate digital collectibles. I've mentioned this before. The coolest part about Campus Legends is that they take the players along for the ride. They are helping current and past players monetize their name, image, and likeness through the NFT marketplace. Awesome company. Go check them out. Campuslegends.com. Click on sign up in order to go get yourself a damn college football NFT. Let's Pretty awesome. go. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that being said, and we'll get into the weekend, an incredible weekend of games. Oh, yeah. It was insane. There were so many yeah. good games. There were. So where do you want to start? Because like we could do like a national scope of stuff and go through that before we get into the SEC. But I feel like like just from the start, I don't want to say the SEC stole the show because there were some pretty awesome moments in other in other games and conferences. But start to finish, the SEC fucking owned the day, just flat out. I mean, like you had game day in Oxford, right, to start. Mm -hmm. um, Kiffin Katie on there. Up. Kiffin came out, and he was uh, – He picked Katie Tennessee. I didn't see her, but I didn't watch the entire thing. Um, Somebody Kiffin told me she was, and I didn't think it was real. stole the show. He picked Tennessee. He said Mike Leach is the the best uh, offensive mind in college football. He said, and he picked he picked them to to win against Auburn. Yeah. Um. He he also said that Kirby called him this week, asked him what it's like to play in Knoxville, and he said it's a very dangerous place to play. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty awesome. Yeah. So yes, it started out the gates hot with Kiffin. Then you got into the twelve noon slate. And we'll get to the SEC games in a minute, but you had a very close Michigan-Penn State game. We we previewed that game. I think we both took Michigan. Michigan ends up pulling out at the end, 21-17. So they're, they're in the mix. That Ohio State-Michigan game in a couple weeks is going to be awesome. Um, it's almost got to be at Ohio State because they don't play away games. <laughs> like like worth a shit. Like they don't play. Yeah. No, it's at Michigan. Okay. Yeah, so that's going to um, be a big game. And weirdly enough, like – I think Ohio State also has to play Michigan State still. And if they I'm don't. I looked this up. You for I don't understand the scheduling, and I, we should have looked it up instead of being ignorant and saying it. Yeah. But no, wait. Oh, you're right. They do. They play Michigan State this weekend. I thought that was right. Yeah. So, so Michigan State, Ohio State this weekend. What's interesting is that so Ohio State in the new polls is four, five. I'm sorry, five. They play versus at home against Michigan State, number seven. And they go mm -hmm. at number six. So five, six, and seven are all Big Ten teams that will be playing each other over the next few weeks. You know who's just sitting there waiting in the wings? It's Wisconsin. Notre Dame. 
Oh, I've heard this too. It's like a Notre Dame is sitting at, at number six right now. I don't like that. And all they really need is Ohio State to lose to one of Michigan State or Michigan and Oregon to lose at some point, which I think Oregon still has to play Utah, probably in the Pac-12 championship. And Notre Dame could be in the damn playoff. And Oregon State is good. Oregon State's bowl eligible and just beat Stanford 35 to fucking 14. I hate everything. I hate everything. We are living in a world where Notre Dame could potentially be in the playoff. After after everyone has thought they were trash all year long. They are. They're about to be... (laughs) Potentially in the playoff. It's just insane. This this year has just been crazy. They so they won't they won't make the playoff over Cincinnati for one. But yeah, they are waiting. Yeah, because yeah, Cincinnati beat them straight up. But that's the only, only loss. Their only loss, if you're talking about nine and one, their only loss is to an undefeated number three team in the country. Yeah, um, and the reason why they are waiting in the wings now, uh, and we're just sticking with these twelve o'clock games. Oklahoma goes out to yep. Baylor. With a week off, an extra week off, and and your boy was wrong love- again, and never been oh, yeah, so yeah. happy to be wrong. Um, yeah, I believe you called for the blowout there. I was like, you know what? All my nightmares are about to come true. This is where the nightmare begins. They're gonna blow them out. But, well, and like, and they had an extra week off. But I did tell you the one thing that concerned me about everyone's, you know, they have anointed this kid the Heisman, like a, a top five Heisman candidate, even though he's only played in four games. Caleb Williams on the road is a different quarterback. Apparently he looked terrible against Kansas and then he goes on the road against Baylor. He was terrible for most of the game. And now Baylor's a good team, right? He got like, benched. Spencer Rattler came back in the fans in just incredible college football fashion. Yeah. They started chanting. We want Spencer. And this is you. You've seen all the videos of what happened like a while ago when they wanted yeah. Caleb Williams, and then he actually gets brought in, wins the game against Texas, and they announce him as the starter the next week, and the whole place fucking erupts. Like the whole like, and and we sat here thinking like Spencer Rattler will transfer, and I, honestly, for a moment I was pulling for him, even though he's kind of the worst. I was kind yeah. of pulling for him because, you know, like that is tough to go from preseason Heisman favorite, number one team in America, and a preseason number one draft pick in the NFL draft for next year, to you get benched for a freshman. Um, but I will say I stopped feeling bad as soon as he came in because they said, this is mean, but he, they said he went over and, and like they had a moment where they talked and he said a prayer with them. And I was like, oh shit, Spencer Rattler's going to come in and take over. And he got sacked like on the second play. I think he like, <laughs> it was just, it was really bad. Like they had nothing for Baylor the entire time. I want to say like, I haven't, let me pull up the stats real quick because it's, it was pretty bad. Um, hold up, hold up, hold up. They had. Because I know at some point in the fourth quarter, the number was like pretty shocking. Like shocking. How many yards? They only had 260 yards of offense. Right. And they which got is a the lot worst of late. output of Lincoln, Lincoln Riley's time in Oklahoma. Really? Yep. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, and then you had this very awkward ending where you had, yeah. you had like they're, Baylor's up by 10. They rushed the field, right? And they already they announced beforehand, they were like, if we win, we're rushing the field, like, yeah. like just flat out. They were up 24 to 7 with like four minutes to go. So this game was well in hand. Like this was, you know, writings on the wall. Mm-hmm. They go up 24 to 14 and, and they end up like, they, there's like, they, they rush the field, but there's still one second left and all hell breaks loose. Somehow they get all these kids off the field, which is fucking, that's like one of the most impressive things that's happened all year. You right. get that many, I'm assuming drunk college kids, like to do, like listen to you, they get off the field. Lincoln Riley is irate to the point where he's covering his mouth talking to the ref like yelling mm-hmm. at the ref and he, and and if he's covering his mouth you know it's because he's it's not a yeah. fucking pitcher catcher moment where they're trying to still science he's just yeah. like he's going off expletives and and so and oklahoma players start headed to the locker room like it is just madness and then i turned it off to watch the georgia tennessee game and i see the final and baylor goes up and more. kicks a field goal right <laughs> and i was like what was this and so immediately everyone's like either loving it or hating it but dave aranda in in like really calm fashion was like yeah, it was because we didn't want to like there was like some tiebreaker. Yeah. Um score differential is one of the Big 12 tiebreakers. Um Okay. That seemed like a made up Yeah. I think he just wanted to take it to, to Lincoln Riley. And Lincoln Riley was pissed about that as well. He he basically oh, yeah. came out after the game and said um you know, there's a code of sportsmanship here that I think you should follow and and he I wouldn't have done that and I don't think David Rand is going to be around at Baylor much longer, honestly. No, he won't. Uh, be. So they probably won't face off anytime soon. But I, if he is, I, I'd love to watch the game next year in Norman because that would be fantastic. I mean, 
he's also made a living off of beating the shit out of everybody in that conference. I mean, so like, it's yeah. not right. Like, give me a break, dude. No one feels bad. Um, for him. Dave Aranda, so Dave Aranda is from the West Coast, and Washington right. just opened up tonight. They fired their coach. That's a that's a huge job. And then USC's open. And LSU so throw that in with LSU, and I just don't think that he's going to no, be he's a Baylor. Stay Baylor. But I will tell you this too: with them moving out, like I, you, it's really based on what happens with that conference, right? Like oh, because, that's true, yeah. I mean, like Baylor has resources; they have money, and and so. Like and with Texas and Oklahoma leaving, you could potentially move into the driver's seat of that of that conference every year, but we don't know what what that's really going to look like or how important it's going to be. All right, moving on from that because uh, we got to get to the other twelve o'clock games in the SEC. Um, we'll start in Auburn because we're yeah. Atlanta we're Atlanta Falcons fans, and Auburn fans. You, I mean, you guys might want to set this one out. We're no longer the only team in football history to blow a twenty eight to three lead. It's correct. The Auburn Tigers. <laughs> so like this so is like a tweet most... from the podcast account by the way oh that was bad oh yeah no that was funny and these people like, okay first off <laughs> so so let's get into is, the game so first. by the way just backstory here anytime i know that chris has has tweeted something from the the podcast account that may be a little controversial i'll know because i'll, I'll like go onto my twitter app on my phone and i i have my own personal login and i have the college football uncensored and there's like 15 notifications you know on the college football is like oh god <laughs> what did chris say something happened here and it okay, was that so a lot of times also i will i will post something on there if i can't post it on SES in terms of yeah. like if it's like a video or if it's something like remotely controversial or also if i'm trying to just do a screenshot of it so i can post it like in a meme on on um on instagram right. so a lot of times it's like i'll post something and just delete it immediately like all right so the first half like the first half i don't even know i don't even know if we can find the the um here we'll just we'll look it up real quick um the first half albert was up 28 to 10 and to be honest that 10 points was scored pretty late um, 28 to 3 it was 28 to 3 for most of the first half or for like yeah. towards the end of the first half and espn you know like their prediction or whatever it said they had a 97.9 percent chance of winning okay um i had, turned the, the I had turned the game well i didn't turn it off but i just stopped watching it because it was such a it was like i was like damn first of all i thought this was going to be a close game so yeah like when we did the preview pod i i picked Auburn to win by three. Um, they win by more than ten. And when they were up twenty to three, I was like, Jesus! And don't and I'm a Falcons fan, like you said. That that score just it's in just ingrained in my soul. Yeah, it's awful. But you don't you still you don't think like okay twenty to three they're just blowing them out like this 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 game is yeah. over. And then the second um, second half happened. It, the first half Auburn had three hundred and twenty five yards of of offense. They scored touchdowns uh, on their first four possessions. Right. Bo Nix was 15 of 19 with two touchdowns, 205 yards, zero interceptions. At one point, he was like 15 of 16 or something like that. It was crazy, right? Um, they were averaging 8.6 yards per play, which is just stupid. Uh, then you look on the other hand, like Mississippi State, earlier in the week, Smoke Monday had said that they were going to show the air raid offense, like why they were one of the best secondaries in the country, blah, blah. And Will Rogers starts out five of 11 in this game. Yeah. Like not great. Um, the second half, different story, just an absolutely different story. Uh, Mississippi state got the ball first, came out and scored um, within the first three minutes. They make it 28, 17. They, they score again um, with uh, five minutes left in the, what do you call it? And, and like these drives too, it wasn't like a bunch of turnovers and shit. It was like, I mean, the second when they made it 28 to 23, it was 98, it was 10 play, 98 yard drive. I mean, they were just going up and down the field on them and they went for two. And I was like, that is so stupid. That is so stupid. Like, why? There's no reason to do that that early. And then they end up scoring again in the like, they end up scoring. Like, if you go back to like the touchdown with two minutes left in the first half, they scored six straight touchdowns and unanswered uh, points. So 40, basically 40 unanswered points on Auburn. Yep, 40 unanswered points. Will Rogers only had three incompletions after the first quarter. That's he, so stupid. After they were down 28-3, to three, um, he threw for six touchdowns on the next seven drives. Right. 
415 yards in total. Um, he was 44-55, so he went 80% again. N- not enough. Has been, he had 10 different receivers catch a ball. Uh, Jaden Wally had seven catches, 87 yards. Ja'Kai poked, 61 yards, two touchdowns on eight catches. Um, obviously, the air raid, you're going to have inflated numbers in the past game, but I don't think enough has been said about Will Rogers this year. No, and then you have after the game, like it, Auburn fans are in shock. Uh, I'm like just cracking up because this is hilarious. Um, and, and partially because it's like, all right, like in the first half, I was tweeting shit like Bo Nix at home is better than Tom Brady. Like if Bo Nix only played home games, he would win the Heisman. Like, and I don't, I don't really regret that because I don't, I, I kind of stand by it to be honest. Um, and then you go to the second half and it's like, you know, it, I don't even think that he even played that poorly in the second half. It was just like, I don't, I mean, I don't remember him. Like he didn't have another interception. He was, he ended up being, let's see, 12 of 21. So not great, but like, I mean, he was, he wasn't, he wasn't the issue. It didn't seem like, like the offense was obviously stagnant and like much more inefficient, but, and it was bizarre too, because in the first half they were doing whatever they wanted. They, it seems like they were so confident. This is what was worrying me. Cause it was like, they were doing like 2013 Gus Malzahn shit. Like where fourth and one, they ran a fucking jet sweep. Like how confident do you have to be to do that? First off, then they, mm-hmm. they were, they had one play where it looked like he was, he was like, it was like a running play from the quarterback going off left, you know, left tackle. And all of a sudden he like sidearm throws a ball out to like a receiver. And then he has the option to throw it. And you're like, Oh my God, this is my nightmare. Here we go again. It's like Sammy Coates, not Sammy Coates. Yeah. Sammy Coates. Right. Um, Either way, it was just it, they looked really good in the second half. Obviously, just things kind of seemed to fall apart a little bit. Um, and they they blow this lead, and then you like you're talking about they lost, like it wasn't even close, they lost badly. I mean, like yes. badly. So, yeah, they scored a late touchdown to make it a little bit closer, but yeah, it was quickly 28 to 3 to 40 to 28, right? Right, <laughs> which was just insane. Um, yeah, we did get one voicemail here. Uh, from an Auburn fan, it looks like. Mm-hmm. I'll go ahead and play that. Hell, I don't even know where to start. I mean, I'm oh, a fan. And, you know, everybody remembers 28-3 lead. And Auburn had a 28-3 lead. And, yeah, they kind of blew that shit. Um, I, I, hell, I don't know if we want to get started with the, the bullshit targeting on TD Moultrie. Going and just sacking Will Rogers. Hey, but apparently that's targeting now. Oh, yeah. Hell, I don't know. I, I, I'm at a loss for words, honestly. All I can say is, in the great words of Alan Jackson, you know, pour me a hurricane before I go insane because this is a bullshit game. <laughs> the offense is, is, is done missing. I don't know where they went. They probably went on vacation. I, I mean, hell, the only thing that could save me right now is if Brian Harson sued up himself and went and just man sacked somebody. I don't <laughs> Man sack from the rest. Hell, I don't know. I mean, anyways, I hope y'all having a good night or a good day, whatever time y'all record. Having love the show, and I'm gonna go drink some more. <laughs> okay, first off, this voicemail thing is the best thing we've ever done. It's so way. good. Uh, we love you too. Um, yeah. All right, exit out because I pull up a, a stat here. Um, okay, so this this voicemail thing, like you said, is fantastic. He Bo Nix in the second half. I'm sorry. There was a targeting call, like he said, that was made in with six yeah. minutes or five minutes left in the fourth quarter. And it was, I, I tweeted this we, out when it happened. It's one of the worst targeting calls I think I've ever seen, especially in that moment. It was awful. I, I don't, so, and I don't know if it's what, I don't know if they would have won the game if they didn't call that. But I know damn well that they were not going to, or like, you know, that's, they basically lost the game after that. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Like it, it took, it took any kind of momentum and chance they had away. Um, okay, anyway, that was a fantastic voicemail. Also, I hate that song from Alan Jackson because Jimmy Buffett's in it, and at the end, he does that stupid thing where he's like, they, they do that whole fucking banter back and forth, and they don't fucking stop. And he's like, oh, I think I've seen your boo, your, your boat there one time. And he's like, oh, yeah, I've been in Margaritaville a time or two. And it, like they're like still going, <laughs> and you know the producer was just like, in the fucking song. He's like, oh, keep it between the buoys. What time is it? God, Jesus, I hated that song. But yeah, it was good. Um, it was good stuff. Another noon game. This one took everyone by surprise. Yeah. I'm I'm starting to think, I don't know, but potentially uh Todd Anthem and John Hevesy weren't the only problems going on at Florida. Um Florida 70, Samford 52. 
I told you this you know, before we started. Game. We, I, yep. I told you this before we started recording, and I'll probably catch hell for saying this. I get how embarrassing it is to lose to an FCS school. I think winning but giving up 52 to an FCS school is more embarrassing. Yeah, this is like a um like a like a baby dick dick measuring contest. Like I don't really I don't have a say in any of this. It's just like, well, mine's two and a half. Like yeah, it's cool, yeah. but at the same time it's like is it? It's like that's great. Yeah. I, like yeah, at least well, they, in celebrating least... the win after and 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 then and basically calling he said calling a win disappointing is disrespectful to the game and our players. What are we doing? That right there. So, so and it was like what was frustrating about it was you watch the first half or you see the scores coming in the first half, right? And it's like, what is happening? Because, like, it, they, they were, were down, down forty-two to twenty-eight late in the, in the first quarter. half, right? And, and it was twenty-one to fourteen in the first quarter, which is entirely too many points to give up to that team. I, <laughs> I was shocked. Like. I mean, I don't even know what to say besides that. It was like they gave up a it, season high five hundred thirty yards and the most points they've ever given up in a half. Stanford was was three and five. Their name's not even Stanford, so you don't even know. Stanford is what I said, idiot. <laughs> okay. They're in Birmingham. Um, yeah, but like they, they're like because like so when I saw the first half stats and I tweeted this too because I was like, it was one of my better tweets that you didn't bring up, dickhead. Um, <laughs> when I saw it, I was like, oh no, like. I just kind of assumed that this was one of these games where you have like a bunch of turnovers where you have like, I don't know, like, like something bad was like something bad happened. Right. Like, 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 Oh, you know, we, we, they had an onside kick or they had like, you know, and they did have like a a kick return for a touchdown, but it was still like, none of it was like added up to what happened. Right. Like none of it added up to this. Um, They were just getting beat. Like they were just getting beat, beat. That's bad. Yeah, yeah. Like you said, yeah, there wasn't crazy turnovers. It wasn't turnover luck. Sanford was driving the field every the every time. single time. Um, Mullen, you know, it, it comes on a day when Emory Jones sets the school record for total yards in a game with 550. He breaks Tebow's record uh, that Tebow set in his last game ever at Florida, the 2010 Sugar Bowl against Cincinnati. Oh, yeah. 550 yards, seven touchdowns for Emory Jones, and no one gives a shit – because your defense gives up 52 to Samford. Mullins pointing to missed tackles and penalties as the as the primary reasons why the defense had breakdowns. Let me tell you something. Even if that is the case, penalties and missed ta- tackles are a direct reflection on coaching. Yeah. Flat out. I I just feel like everyone says this now so it's not like a my original thought I guess, but it just feels like he wants to be fired. I don't think he wants to be there anymore for sure. And if he gets yeah. fired, he gets a buyout and then gets to go mm-hmm. to the NFL. Like that's, yeah, I'm, that's I'm not going to say idea. that's what he's trying to do, but that's, it's very obvious that he doesn't give a shit anymore. And no. and it, like the goalposts have moved so many times with Dan where it's like, you know, like he said this shit last week where he's like, oh, you know, why didn't you guys sing? Why was only one player singing the alma mater? Right. right. At the end of the game. And he's like, I didn't even know that our, our band traveled. And I was like, that's probably a lie, but whatever. <laughs> and then the next day, or maybe it's even hours later, you see this video of him going into the stadium and you could tell by the, the body language of them walking into the stadium, something bad was going on. Right. They're going into the stadium and he's, he's obviously leading them off the bus and into the stadium and he's walking by the band because the band is there and he walks. Not to mention they probably him. played like the whole game. Yeah, true. Yeah. That, that, that as well. But uh, yeah, so that was pretty incredible. What else happened in the noon games? Well, I got two. I got a couple of voicemails for Florida. Oh yeah, that's long, good point. Both long winded. We'll go ahead and play them because it's tough. They deserve their two. All right. Uh, obviously, our our first one is going to be our our resident Florida caller, Jason. I think he yeah. actually tweeted me um, during the Florida State game because I was obviously emo tweeting about the fact that we blew a lead, mm-hmm. and I was like, man, you know, just. We're gonna miss a bowl now because we we blew it. And he's like, "Let's have a drink together, man. We could we could suffer together." Yeah. <laughs> but here, here's nice. Jason. Hey, Tyler and Chris. This is Jason, your resident Florida fan. <sighs> well, the game just ended. We won seventy to fifty three over the defending national champions, Sanford Bulldogs. The now. Uh, Three and five world beaters, Sanford Bulldogs. Um, Emory Jones put up 
roughly 550 yards of offense, seven touchdowns. And we only barely fucking won this game. <laughs> First of all, Chris, I I greatly appreciate you trying to cheer me up on Twitter. You know, I was sad as shit. <laughs> but I'm not even sad anymore. Right now, I feel like I've been swiftly kicked in the nuts, and I'm laying on the ground holding them, and everybody just keeps saying, hey, it wasn't that bad. It's going to be okay. <laughs> I can hear that, dude. I don't know who to fire. I don't know who to hire. <laughs> I don't know anything. I, I think what I'm going to do is I am just going to go back to YouTube and just watch highlights of 2008. You should buy an NFT. Because... Yeah. Whatever the entire fuck is going on right now, I got nothing. Literally nothing. I'm trying to debate whether I'm going to drink diesel or 151 right now. Oh, my God. That is just how rough this is. I won't drink anything. It doesn't matter. I hope you all have a great day. I would say go Gators, but I'd be lying. So, um... Yeah, everybody have a great rest of your day. <laughs> My man, that was Jason. Nice. Uh, the the next the one's two, almost a minute longer, so maybe we shouldn't play it. A minute longer? <laughs> yeah. Wow. Is it is it worth it? It's you listen two, to it's it. It's two and a half minutes. I mean, is there's a lot of anger. There's a lot of anger. Um, we got a lot to yeah, get to still. Yeah, we do. Yeah. So um, so caller from from a four hundred four. Well, we can we can always number. play it later. We'll, we'll play it yeah. at the end of the pod. How about that? Um, right. Okay, so the other 12 o'clock game was Bama. We're not going to really talk about that. Uh, it was a blowout. Um, I will say that Bryce Young, they patted the shit out of his stats. Uh, yeah. He had like five touchdowns, like 21 or 23 in the first half. Will Anderson, just silently having one of the best seasons. Like, it, he he has 66 tackles or 64 tackles. He, he, there's, he could theoretically get to 100 tackles as basically an edge rusher. Which is pretty stupid. Um, he also Crazy has twelve year. sacks, which is nuts. But um, yeah, so Bama plays a nobody. They get um, Arkansas this week. Um, Three thirty game. This is the one that I thought was going to be the, the game of the day. Now I will tell you, I looked this up afterwards after we did the show because that's how this year has gone for me, and that was dumb. Um, and I looked at a potential bet of Tennessee scoring first because I didn't think that was that far fetched, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that was going off at like plus 180 or something like not that bad yeah so then i look at like actual props and you could bet on the first score of the game right like like aside from that and it was mm-hmm. tennessee field goal tennessee touchdown and it was plus 550 for a, for a touchdown? touchdown and plus 335 for a field goal and i was like this is like just a gross difference in what the other one, like the other odds were, um, this would definitely be worth it. And so I didn't, I didn't, uh, of course, yeah, you didn't bet. I didn't post it. Yeah, of course not. Because, (laughs) um, I, cause I was like, like, I think it, I I got so late with like the Baylor game, the other one. Um, I did, I did bet on them to score first. I didn't bet on the touchdown one, but it was only like five bucks anyway. Um, in case anyone's listening. So, um, yeah, like always bet responsibly. Yeah. From the start, it was like, it, I was excited to see this game because of the Tennessee D or Tennessee offense. Um, in the first quarter, it was pretty good. Yeah. I mean, look, Tennessee had a great crowd, over 100,000 people there. Peyton Manning, Todd Helton, Candace Parker. I had a bunch of, you know, former athletes yeah. in the building. They go up, actually, Georgia. They trailed by the largest margin of the season, Chris. Seven. In this game, <laughs> seven. Um, they were also down 10 to seven at the end of the first quarter. So Georgia was actually losing a ball game at the end of the first quarter, um, which was new territory for them. Um, and then from there, that second quarter by Georgia, they just announced, Oh yeah, by the way, we're the best team in the country. Right. I I briefly said this when I was like, but I brought up the fact that if they were losing in the first half, it would be good for Kirby smart. Like it'd be a good thing if, if Georgia had to like have any kind of, adversity because they've blown everyone out so far right um I, this is all they're going to get before the sec championship and they honestly this might be all they get until um the uh what do you call it until the playoff because i don't think Bama's going to be able to put up even the same fight that tennessee did for a number of reasons um but yeah like first off 
really incredible script from from Hel- or from Heupel on the first drive. I was really impressed with that. Um, Hinden Cooker was off, man. You could tell early. He, he this there's a lot of throws were just sailing high, and you could see it from the first quarter. I remember saying something. I was like, he's got to get that ball down because like he got he got kind of bailed out on one throw where like the intermediate route it was throwing throwing to like the receiver behind him. The intermediate route jumps up and like comes down with it, but it would have been picked if not. It was just been it had been like very uncharacteristic from what we'd seen like from him for most of the season. But like you said, I mean, Stetson Bennett came in, he struggled, I guess you could say a little bit early, um, which should have been expected because it's a, it's a good team in my opinion. Like it's not, it's not a bad team. And then he just, he did stuff in the, in the offense that, you know, I think it's clear now that he is the guy like he did stuff that that I don't think JT Daniels could have done first off um, with like being like mobile and stuff like that and moving around. And then James Cook, and this is like where you said like at the beginning of the year where they have so many fucking weapons that it's just like, you don't, I, I always wonder know how what to was, game plan for. Right. I mean, like, do you like it? Cause they shut down Zamir White, which didn't matter because, right. you know, I don't even think we saw, um, he's number two now. He's number 22 before. I can't remember his name now. Um, we saw McIntosh a little bit out of the backfield, but like they, um, what, Kim it, like, yeah, Kim Milton. He's still I don't even think we saw him. I have no idea. Um, probably now that I brought it up and said we haven't seen him. Um, but like the other part of this too, and this started coming out during the game, I think. At least, you know, that's when I saw it. And that was oh, Jesus. That was Perfect segue. Perfect segue. Uh, there was a flu going around to kind of like <laughs> ravage this team during the week. Um, yeah. and you saw you saw players like I, I saw something before I came on here that that Jalen Carter. Um, this is from John tweet sports on Twitter. He said, Jalen Carter actually played 20 snaps in that game with over a hundred degree fever. And he still made yeah. like two tackles for loss or something crazy. He's like, I don't, I wouldn't even respond to emails with that temperature. And so I was like, yeah, I fucking heard that dude. Yeah. He had to have an um, IV. Yeah. And they had a lot of these players that were like, I mean, so they, they, it was so bad. They had to take a second plane to like break people up. You saw James uh, cook at the end of the game, wearing a mask on the sideline. He like, cause he's like, you know, I guess he didn't have it. Mm-hmm. But an incredible performance in that defense still. And you really got the sense that, like, one, of course, this is the best team in the country. Two, they are – they kept saying it during the broadcast, but when you watch this defense, and like, it really does look like sharks in the water. Like, they smell blood. They know when they, they, know when they can turn the game, right? And if you saw this in the first quarter – in the first half, they're losing 10-7. I think they end up – tying it up or maybe they had just gone up but in some one of these sequences tennessee throws a pick in their own territory and yeah, then what happens kendrick they Georgia go right scores. down yep nine yard right. touchdown uh capping off uh and then what channing tyndall stripped hooker um yep. and tyndall had three sacks on the night he was outstanding um what i love about this team i mean the the pass to james cook just a beautiful pass from stetson Bennett, by the way um yeah. he had three total touchdowns uh cook did what i love about this team and kobe dean after the 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 game the only thing he 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 wasn't even happy he was upset that they gave up a touchdown at the end to give up the most score that they had all season which was 17 right. we actually have a, a voicemail about that that i thought was kind of funny that we'll play but oh God. um Georgia gets through the SEC undefeated for the first time since the league split into divisions in 1992 and went to an 8-game schedule. That Georgia no, they weren't undefeated in 92, it was 82. Um cuz okay. in 90 if they were undefeated in 92, they would have played Bama in the SEC Championship game, but Florida did and Florida was only 8 and 3. Interesting. They won 10 games that year cuz they had Garrison Hurst who's a Heisman finalist too. But I'm pretty sure it's 82, which is the year they lost to, well, I believe, Auburn. So this is the set that I pulled was it was the first time since there's been divisions that they've gone undefeated. So that would include okay, that yeah. too. Yeah, yeah. So they didn't do it before. Right. Okay. So fucking idiot. Obviously, they're, you know, it's it's been an incredible season for Georgia. I mean, they, they got Charleston Southern and Georgia Tech coming up. So obviously they're gonna go in undefeated into the SEC championship game. Um, you say Bama doesn't have a chance. No, they don't. And here's, here's why, like, like we've seen it time and time again, that offensive line does not know how to like that offensive line does not know how to block other 
team. They had they struggled with A and M. They struggled with LSU. Like I understand that LSU came in there with like nothing to lose and and all that kind of shit. Like what scares me about this game for Bama is if you think about it, like they haven't really had to get up for a game, like like really get up for a game in a minute. Like they've had they've had Arkansas, they've had Kentucky, but those are games that deep down you kind of knew you were going to win. This game. When you've been waiting for however fucking long since 2007, and they've this team has ripped your fucking heart out so many times over and over, and over. like we don't we honestly we don't get it. I like as obnoxious as we say Georgia fans are, we also don't understand the level of hurt that it's way worse than Atlanta sports, way worse. It like the the level of heartbreak they've had to endure is incredibly bad. Just with the way they we're talking about we're talking about a team that could have won the 2017 title, could have gone to the playoffs in 2018. They wouldn't have beaten Clemson, but still. And in 2012, would have won a national championship too. So that's a team that probably would have had two championships in a five-year span. Yeah. I mean, you know, obviously you got to close the deal here. And I'm sure that's what every Georgia fan has going through their mind is, right. you know, what could possibly happen in that SEC championship game that will break our souls. Because honestly, if they're going to, if they lost that game, they'd still be in the playoff. Um, obviously, we'd just be at a worse seed. Um, we well, do have it. about this too, about the Georgia thing, which was like, if you guys are upset about or bummed about like, you know, the last two games being like, and this is the other part of it for Bama. Georgia plays Charleston Southern and, and um, Georgia tech. They could rest everybody and win those games. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And rest them until the SEC championship game. And they probably should. <laughs> They're going to start game planning for Bama now. Yeah. Yep. Bama doesn't have the luxury of doing that. Like, like it's again, I'm not trying to say this just to be like to hedge or whatever you guys have said in the mm -hmm. past. They will beat Bama by a minimum fourteen points. the The lines come out like like from Bet Online already. It's like a two point spread or something like that. If you can buy it, and it's like an actual bet you can bet on now. Fucking hammer it! All right, we got one voicemail from this game. What's going on, guys? Uh, sitting here taking that uh, fifteen beer after game deuce. Um, great game today. UGA played a hell of a game. Um. I've had my concerns about Stetson in the past, but I think he's the guy. I uh, we we faced a, a good team today, and um, yeah, I mean, my my Tennessee buddy was like, "Woo, we scored the most on Georgia ever," and I was like, "I guess fly that flag in your front yard, man." I don't know, like, that argument was so bad. Georgia, yeah. Um, I've been real concerned and a little bit of a bedwetter uh, this season about the, uh, the offense, but we will roll everybody, man. This game's over. Um, take it straight to the, the natty. Uh, probably ought to play Alabama in that since most other teams are shit. And um, go dogs. <laughs> that is a phenomenal sign off. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, like, again, like, and I, so I, again, I haven't heard this argument from people. But apparently it's prevalent enough where they've been Georgia fans. It's, it's bothered them about like, well, y'all haven't placed an offense yet. Just let's just touch on it for a second. Tennessee fans were saying that this week. First off, if Tennessee fans are talking shit, who cares? They're Tennessee fans. That's like one of the things they do best. Okay. Also, they weren't wrong in anything they said. That was the best offense you had faced up until that point. That was a good offense. And you were able to shut them down. There you go. Move on, move forward. Like I, I just, I wasn't, I don't know why that was such a big deal. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I mean, so for me, I, like Georgia fans, I, this it's been like this weird chip on their shoulder all year of like, nobody thinks we can do it. Like everybody thinks you can do it. We've honestly thought you could do it for years now. Yeah. So it's just like, in a way, like it's awesome to watch, but it's also kind of like watching fucking Billy Madison go back to repeat like third through seventh grade to take over his dad's business. And we're like, yeah, you should have done this like years ago, man. This is fantastic. But Jesus Christ. Georgia passed the third grade. Oh, what a glorious day. <laughs> no, not the dimension. You guys are the best. No one believes in you. All right, next um, game. Uh, we'll go to the night shift here. Let's go call. to Arkansas LSU first. Yeah, I agree. Yep. Um, Arkansas 16, LSU 13. First win at LSU since 2015 for Arkansas. Uh, if you recall the, the preview pod, I, I picked Arkansas by three. Did you? Brag there. What did I say? LSU. Uh, you, I think you said LSU by a billion. <laughs> I don't know. I can't Good. remember what you said. Um, I think you did pick LSU though. I can't. I can't. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, of course. Um, weird game. You know, it mm -hmm. starts out 
Max Johnson benched after. I, so I didn't realize that he was on the precipice of being benched. We talked about it before that they talked. They said you know Nussmeier would take snaps in this game, uh, potentially a lot of snaps. Right. I'm not. Is it because they don't want Nussmeier to transfer? Like I don't know. Like Max Johnson wasn't that bad this year, was he? No, I think that like he has held onto the ball for way too long, and he did yeah. in this game too, to be honest. Uh, but he did, did that last week against Bama a lot. Um, this was announced during the week that Nussmeier was going to take a lot more snaps. Like he was, he was going to mm-hmm. be way more involved um, in the offense and we'll see what happened. Um, it was uh, the timing because like you knew that it was coming, but you didn't think that it was going to be like that. You know what I mean? Like it was like that mm-hmm. early. Um, I, I don't know. So LSU was up 10 to three. They're marching down the field. They go all the way down to the Arkansas 18 and three plays in the second quarter. And they opted to go wildcat with Davis price, which resulted in a fumble um and from there obviously jefferson goes down scores a touchdown and then um i think nussmeyer came in and threw a pick and then arkansas scored again and essentially that's how it happened and you know coach o rolled the oc after the game he was like i don't know why we called that play we've never called that play i don't know why you would do that also something that they were brought up like clint sterner brought this up on twitter about um the fact that tom hart brought up on the broadcast apparently that he there there's a offensive coordinator and the guy next to him specifically calls the third down plays. And if that's the case, that's a level of chaos and dysfunction that I can't even fucking imagine. That's not like the Joe Brady thing. Weird. Really weird. Really weird. Yeah. Potential to be very disjointed. And obviously that happened. Um, And then obviously um, the game goes to overtime. Cam little kicks the field goal after Garrett Nussmeyer throws the pick on the first possession um great win for arkansas like i said Mm -hmm. their first win at lsu since 2015 for lsu they i mean right now dude like oh by the way i meant to mention dude that that um fake field goal arkansas ran was great oh yeah um they converted that that fake field goal for a first down um lsu has lost six games for the first time since 1999 i was in middle school and if they lose one more game um, they will have their first losing season since the year before Nick Saban took over, which was 99. Yeah. Which was 99. Yeah. So it's just been a bad year down there. Uh, yeah. no bones about it. Um, they had the weird, like got up for the Bama game, got up for what was the big upset they had? Well, I guess it was Florida. It wasn't a huge upset. <laughs> I mean, kind of. Yeah. It, I mean, it was at the time for sure. Florida hadn't totally given up on the season yet. Um, But, yeah, I mean, uh, just adds to the great ledger for Arkansas and what Sam Pittman's been able to do his first two years there. I will say this, too. So I'm adding it up right now as you speak. Um, They have have played coming into – coming into – what do you call it? The the end of the season, right? So after Coach O was announced that they were going to part ways, at that point – I mean, that defense was terrible, right? And you yeah. take out the McNeese State and the Central Michigan game, their defense is giving up 474 yards a game to uh, Power 5 teams, like all SEC teams and then UCLA, right? Mm-hmm. The last three games, they've played Ole Miss, Alabama, Arkansas. All three of them ranked, right? Um, and they have given up an average of 353 yards per game. That's it. It's yeah. pretty astounding. And, and also, that's with giving up 470 to Florida, they've given up 308 and 283 in the last in the last two to our, our Arkansas and, and Bama. So and and what's crazy is you don't have your top two corners. You don't have a right. lot of guys on that defense. A ton. So it'll be interesting. You know, I I wonder. Do you have a, a pulse on what LSU fans want to do for for the coach? It's saving. I think it's saving. Um, no, and honestly, like I, we should get Chris Gordy on, or we should get you know somebody like like Hester or PB on here to talk about it because it's interesting when you look at it. Like like I, I told you when I was down there for the Auburn game, people were like already talking about it. They and they wanted Kiffin. That's the name that kept coming up over and over and over again. Um, he had a hell of a win. He did. We're gonna get to that next. Uh, but yeah, he so he um, he went or like they wanted him. And I, I'm getting to think more and more. I don't think he's going to leave Ole Miss. I and I don't know why he would, because if he if he, this is a top ten team now, right? Mm-hmm. They will give him an unlimited amount of resources at that school. 
I don't know if he's going to be able to like recruit nationally as much as LSU can. Cause LSU has that whole pipeline. You talked about, they, they usually just put a fence around the state and they mm-hmm. get ties into Houston. Um, and they're a national program. Ole Miss, like the state of Mississippi has like fantastic athletes every year, every year. Right. Um, so there's a lot of good athletes there to recruit from. You can reach into Bama. I don't know if he'll reach into LSU or to Louisiana as much, but I don't know if he's more limited there. A lot of it, I think will have to do with the Arch Manning thing. Mm-hmm. Like, cause Cristobal is going to be at Florida or Miami bottom line. That's, I mean, unless, Bama, so? just, unless that whole thing about Bama is true where he's like, potentially the coach in waiting that they want to hire, but, but I don't know how you transition that. Cause like he, there's so many opportunities now that he would probably take and they're great opportunities. Yeah. Um, so him, Mel Tucker is one that I think like the name keeps coming up more and more and more. And I think, I thought this was not great at first, but I think Aranda's a real, a real potential there too, because he knows the program. He knows the, like the recruiting grounds, like all that kind of stuff. And he's had really, really good success. Like, I mean, honestly, surprising at at um at Baylor. So, mm-hmm. yeah, same. Mel Tucker is the same. He's got the same kind of picture to him too. Was in the SEC for a long time. Knows the recruiting. Done a great job at Michigan State. Took a team that was not very good and has them in the top ten. Same with Aranda. So, um, they're gonna definitely have some some very good candidates. It's to be interesting yep. to see who they end up getting. Um, that brings us to the last game. Um. A&M, 19, Ole Miss, 29. I, I was shocked by this result. Um, Why? Mainly because I didn't think that Ole Miss's defense would be able to step up like that. Exactly, yeah. A&M the defense was, was horrible incredible. in the first half. And, I mean, I can't remember. So, I saw I was kind of in the middle of some things while I was watching the game. But did, they, did Ole Miss have over 400 yards in the first half? They ran 59 plays for 408 yards in the first half. That is insane. That is insane. Against that defense. Plays. Yeah. So, and they, and they said it because, like, you know, I'm sitting here watching it, and I had that one on the main TV, and then I had, um, what was it? I had the LSU-Arkansas game over here to the left. And, and you're sitting there watching it, and it's like, man, like, I just kept expecting, like, the defense for A&M to turn the corner, and I kept expecting Ole Miss's defense to kind of, like, do what they do and because they're not that, you know, they haven't been that staunch of a defense all year. Mm-hmm. Um and they just didn't like, like, you know, Sam Williams is incredible. Uh, that, that, I mean, the entire defense, they had a fantastic game plan for what they do. And, and let's, let's also be fair that A&M offense is limited. It is like, yeah, flat out. And, and Calzada was the Calzada we know and have seen in every game, except the Bama game, mm-hmm. every single game except the Bama game, he has been this player. Um, I'm trying to like look for it now. Like he, 24 42, which isn't even that bad, all things considered. What's that? Eight divided by what's 42 divided by three? Eight out of 14. So four out of seven. So basically, he was 57.1% completion percentage. Look at that math. I know it's baseball averages. Um, so he's, yeah, he's 57.1%. His QBR was 21.9, zero touchdowns, two interceptions. And, you know, like, listen, I, I know he's tough. He's, he's really tough. We've seen him prove that twice. Right. And in really big moments too. But he also is not that great of a quarterback. He's, I mean, he's just not. And so okay. um, Corral was incredible. Um, his numbers they have no pass- explosive passing plays. Like, yeah. They never yeah. have big passing plays. It's insane. Like they've got the two running backs that are very good, and that's how they hit their explosive plays. But they don't go down the field with the ball. Maybe it's because Calzada can't do it uh, successfully what- a lot. But it's weird, and it's been that way since Jimbo's been at A&M, and, and for many of the years he was at Florida State, just you know, a plotting offense that was just picking up chunk yards as it goes. Yeah. Um, I tell you what, though, uh, the Ole Miss side of this, like you talked about the defense for one, which is incredible. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't think anybody saw this game playing out that way. But you want to talk yeah. about like an atmosphere that was – Like I could have seen like, them winning a shootout. Mm-hmm. But like – like, I mean, AM had what they, they didn't have any points at the half, did they? Uh, no, they were down 15 to zero. And in the what I was to say earlier, the point I was gonna make was Kiffin comes off the field, and, and it was it was honestly cool to watch Kiffin in his element. It like he had the entire he had he had the eyes of the fucking country on him, it is what mm-hmm. it felt like, right? You had game day that did not disappoint at all. He was the guest picker on game day. He, of course, is 
fucking killing it. Like mm-hmm. I've been on that, I've been on that campus for a game, a night game, and it was not that great at the like to be, to be honest. Like like the Grove itself, once they started going, was awesome. But we got mm-hmm. over there early for like SEC Nation or something. There was no one there. There was no mm-hmm. one there. They're playing Bama, 2018. Um, like there was no place to like tailgate. Like those people weren't weren't there yet. It was just like not that great of like an environment until we got back at three 30 and things started picking up for like a seven o'clock start. Um, and then it was a lot of fun and it was like inside the atmosphere was great. They scored first. And, but it was like one of those things where like all the experiences that I've seen there, they didn't match this. And and that was like, they, they sat there and they waited for their opportunity. And I mean, Kiffin was having so much fucking fun at one point in the first half, he was joking around with Corso during the game. Like he, he, like there was something happening. He like runs down the field, like, and, and sees Corso and he says something to him and they're joking back and forth. And it was like, what is happening here? Like, I mean, he was just, he was loving it. He's, he's a refreshing coach. in the fact that like you, he proves that you don't have to be like a maniacal, mm-hmm. like constantly, like all about the process. Like right. maybe he's like, know that, you know, internally, but he just it's he's out there having fun and he does things his yeah. own way and i never could have seen this kind of success happening for Ole miss this quickly um yeah. but i mean ended up you know they were it was a close game it ended up being 15 13 it could have been had, 30 to nothing at the, in the first half they yeah, left then so you many had points on the board Sistrunk with picks and then that set up the the snoop connor touchdown and then they get the pick six um to kind of seal the game i mean just an incredible mm-hmm. incredible um outcome for Ole Miss and man they're they're right there on the door of having a 10 win season yeah I mean I, so they can't I guess they could still win the Bama would have to Bama, lose both games right Arkansas okay, and Auburn. So, still not out of it but like you're yeah. in such good position to like if you're an Ole Miss fan the Sugar Bowl is such a big deal for them like because they you know like uh, New Year's Day Bowls like I think when Eli was there was a huge mm-hmm. deal um so we'll see if that plays out, but I tell you what, man, Corral was, was fantastic again. And it just, it felt like one of those things where like A&M was favored. And I, I honestly, I thought that like, cause that defense, the way we've seen that defense play over the last several weeks that, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, and we've, we've seen the Bama defense shut down Ole Miss and we, we've, you know, we had not seen Ole Miss's defense step up anywhere close to this. Um, I just was, and especially late in the fourth, you kind of expected maybe them to kind of fumble the opportunity away. But it kind of felt like watching Ole Miss, like especially at the end result, they they knew something we all didn't. Like they were just, they were very confident. They they knew like you know like what they were in control of, and they had they had a good game plan. They had practiced well, like all that kind of stuff. And they went out and executed. And it was it like when that kind of stuff happens, like you can see how confident the team is. Um, and, oh, man, like like I'm I'm glad Bama played them early and Kiffin overthought the shit out of that game plan because. It, like now, especially with like them getting healthier too. And Jerry and Ely being healthy has made oh, such yeah. an incredible difference. I feel like every time he has the ball, he's, he's running like at least 15 yards before anyone touches him. He had a great game. He had what? 120 something yards rushing. I mean, just a fantastic game all around for Ole Miss. We did get a voicemail from an A&M listener. So I mm-hmm. want to, I want to go ahead and play that. Hey, uncle Chris and T-Huck. Second time caller, you know, big fan of the show. I'm not saying college football uncensored or Saturday down south endorses this. I'm fucking wasted. Um, watch my Texas A&M 90s play. Um, they, they, you know, no W there. That offense fucking sucked, and so did the refs. Yeah. I felt like it was poor officiating, but that is not the reason why my Aggies lost. Um, it was just bad offensive play. And all that, but uh, hey, could be worse. You could be the Florida Gator. <laughs> I love the laugh. Covered a fifty-two point spread. All right, that's it. That's stupid. I love you guys. Uh, I can't wait to listen to the next show. Oh, we love you more, man. That's awesome, man. That that was that came to us at one thirty-five in the morning, and it. um, you know what? I feel like A and M fans are the nicest ones we run into on here with the voice. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. Um, you know, they, they like, they know they get made fun of. And I, I don't think they, they really, especially when they're winning, I don't think they really care. And I tell you what, they had a, a really good 
um like like i think robert our buddy robert barons tweeted this he was like there's nothing that takes away the sting of a loss from an AM game like an AM loss mm-hmm. but texas losing to kansas right after was a pretty big help <laughs> and that's our uncensored moment of the week um yeah, and who's sadder than chris is fucking <laughs> steve sarkeesian also we do need to do a quick text speed hot take I, I need one texas pete hot take yeah you I mean your last one you made was was spot on which one was that the one about um oh florida losing south carolina yeah yeah no it really was um golly that texas pete hot take hmm let me think on that do you have one yeah, I got one for you. Um, okay, so we're looking at the schedule for next week. Uh, it's not great, necessarily. I will say that I think SMU beat Cincinnati. SMU's been a pretty good team throughout the year. Um, I will say SMU beat Cincinnati. The other thing that I will say in this is, let's see, what else we got here? Because it's like I'm looking at some of the matchups. Oregon is at Utah. That could be dangerous that, for that, that team. That is... That is a good game. Yeah. Um, 7.30 game, too, on ABC. So I will say this. I think um, I think we see two upsets up there, I, and I think the one that we don't see is I think Auburn will be fine without Bo Nix. I think TJ Finley will come in, especially against the South Carolina team. They'll be able to run the football. That defense will be all over, you know, in the backfield all day because the offensive line for Carolina is really, really bad. I think it's only a 10-point spread, which is shocking to me. But um, if you're looking for like, a, there's got to be one upset that's like going into rivalry week where somebody's overlooking someone. Michigan going to Maryland is a dangerous game because Maryland can at least put up some points, I believe. I'm saying this purely out of ignorance. Um, but I think that's, that game the following week against Ohio State is so big to them. I wouldn't be surprised if, if this game against Maryland is like less than seven points. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I mean the other one you have too is uh, Michigan State coming into into the to the uh, Ohio State right before yeah. the Michigan game. I mean it, Ohio State's a nineteen point favorite in that game. That's a lot. Noon game. Um, there's going to be a lot still to be determined about this. The top ten mm-hmm. over the next couple weeks. You got Iowa State going to Oklahoma. Oklahoma's mm-hmm. only a five point favorite in that game. Um, you could see them drop another game back to back. My favorite thing on that real quick, by the way, was guys like RJ Young and Joel Klatt. Joel Klatt was there in the moment, and he's he's like commenting on the game. And he he said during the game, he goes, and honestly, I, I don't know if there's enough on this schedule left for Oklahoma to lose and still get into the playoff. No shit, Joel. <laughs> like, they're ranked eighth right now, and they were undefeated. They're, they're absolutely not getting into the playoff. <laughs> shocking i was like what are you what um yeah man you know going back to the sark thing like kansas hasn't won in, in in a road game in conference since 2008 right losing to kansas at home if you're sark as a 31 point favorite i in the way they did too i mean did we talked about this before we started recording. First of all, the 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 Kansas coach Lance Leopold, like he had a, he has a good name within the coaching industry. Mm-hmm. Obviously, he's I mean they're you know that was only their second one of the season, but that's a pretty good season as yeah. far as Kansas is concerned. We were talking about this before, but let's just bring the conversation to the pod. Do you think that Sarkeesian will get fired in year one? I think that fan base is crazy enough to do it, and I think there's enough potentially quote unquote good candidates that they would. And the thing that worries me is like, and I've been in Sark's corner since the beginning. Um, and maybe that was wrong. Maybe it was yet another thing I was wrong about. Uh, but like <laughs> Sarkeesian, like there was a quote that somebody asked him, they're like, do you think that the team has tuned you out? And his response was, I don't know. You'd have to ask them. That is not good. That is, that's real bad. That's so uh, they've they've lost five games in a row for the first time since 1956. That is tough. In 56, they were dog shit. Let's not forget yeah, that. That 56 year, that's one of the Everyone worst. that. Mm-hmm. Um, Texas hasn't missed a bowl or had a losing season since 2016, which isn't that long. Yeah, it's um, like four years. <laughs> but but uh, 
Tom Herman never had a losing season in four years, won all of his bowl games, but he was fired. I just, um, I don't think that it's, they only gave him what, three years? With all the money, there. with all the money they're putting into the program and the stuff they're putting in the end zone, all that kind of stuff, and like the boxes. If this is a situation where he has lost, like, like, I don't like if he has lost like the locker room, he's lost the team. Then absolutely, I think that that they would they would move on from him in year one. I don't know what the buyout is, but it doesn't fucking matter because it's, it's Texas. I don't think it's it's that far fetched at all because I think that. They're they are so delusional as a fan base, and I tell you what, especially like you don't want to do this going into if because I think by all means they'll be in the SEC next year, but I think they they absolutely could fire Sark year one. That's if, insane. I mean, it's not saying it would happen, but it's yeah, like, yeah. and we I don't think we've seen that happen. But yet. you're right, Texas would be the one school that would do it. Right, out of anyone in the country, that's they are the one. Like, you know, you have this thing like there's so many distractions that have happened, and it's ever since they lost that game against Oklahoma, man, you, you really feel like that was like something had changed. Um, and I still feel like he could succeed there. Cause if he just, he needs to get like the right coordinators in place. Cause that defensive coordinator, whoever it is needs to go. Um, but yeah, I absolutely think that Sark could, could possibly go. The last thing, the uncensored moment of the week um, is what do you call it? Uh, what was it? It was, Oh, the, it was Bo Davis. Yeah his defensive line coach who, who's been like in the coach like coaching ranks, I feel like forever. He was a, a coach at Bama, like 2008. Um, and I think also like a second time too, there was a recording that came out before last game where he flipped out and he had, he had like, they, when they lost to whoever it was and he freaked out and was like cussing out the entire team. And he was calling them every name under the sun, including MFers. And you guys know that we don't take yeah. language like that lightly. How could you? Um, neither Dan Wolken. He was really upset about that specific, uh, what do you call it? What is Dan, when, when is Dan Wolken not mad? I think he, I think he's honestly happy. I don't know how. He's happy to be mad. Yeah. I think like anger brings him happiness in a way. I can see that. Yeah. It's poetic. I just know it's happening. Yeah. Yeah. Well, hey, this was a fantastic weekend. I, we, there's going to be great games again next weekend. This this final mm-hmm. two weeks of the season is going to be incredible. It's going to be a drama to play out for all of us to watch. I mean, there is going to be such a shakeup in the top 10 over the next two weeks. Um, and yeah, like I said, Notre Dame might just sneak the, right into the playoff. Yeah. I know you'd be happy about that. I'd be really upset. I would be, I would be really fucking mad. <laughs> All right. Well, anything else before we let the listeners go here? No, we're going to watch some Yellowstone. We'll have that segment on next week. Um, but yeah, everyone have a great, great first couple of days of the week, and we'll see you all Wednesday. Preview pod. Let's get it.